everyone, I'm Saisha Gupta and I'm the founder and host of Brown Girls Rising. The purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of and empower South Asian girls. Welcome to Brown Girls Rising. Hello, my name is Saisha Gupta and welcome back to another episode of Brown Girls Rising. It's been a little while since I've recorded this podcast, um, especially with adjusting to my first year at college. It's been um, difficult to find time for this, but I'm so excited to continue this passion project that I love so much, um, sharing stories about my own experiences and the experiences of other South Asian women is something that brings me so much fulfillment and joy, and I'm so excited to um, continue the podcast and share even more experiences and topics related to culture and other things regarding my life. So first of all, let me just share a little bit about what BGR is here in case anyone is new here or um, needs a refresher as it has been about a year since I recorded the podcast last. Um, I started BGR or Brown Girls Rising. I call it BGR for short as it's fun to um, give it a little bit of an acronym. So if you hear me use those interchangeably, BGR is just Brown Girls Rising. I started this podcast back in the um, middle of the pandemic in July 2020. My sophomore year of high school had just ended and I was looking for a way to talk about my own experiences growing up South Asian. I remember I was considering writing a book or something like that because I grew up in a pretty white town. Um, I grew up in a suburb of a city, so sometimes suburbs in general can be a little bit um, less diverse, and um, the suburb where I grew up in was an example of that, and there weren't really many South Asian kids in my class. I want to say like less than 5% were, and that was definitely something that was a struggle for me, getting my name constantly mispronounced or just like feeling a little bit out of place, and so I thought what a better way to share my, what a better way to sort of like overcome this, um, this these challenges I was sort of facing by sharing about them and bringing light on these topics. So I decided to create a podcast as it was something that was new and something that was innovative. I feel like since I've created mine, like so many celebrity podcasts have come out and so many um, pod- and podcasts in general have just been like taking this to whole new light. I feel like I started mine like back before the older age was, but um but like I was definitely someone who was like influenced by like hearing some celebrity podcast and thought why not make my own. Um, so anyway, so I started this podcast back in the middle of the pandemic. It's been about three years since I started it, honestly. Um, but I made about 20 episodes with, I think, over 20 guests and discuss their experiences being South Asian, their stories and just like help bring South Asian women together, you know. And I'm so excited to be back and creating more episodes. So I took a bit of a break as I was finishing up high school and now I'm finishing my first year at my university, which is crazy as well. And I'll definitely make episodes regarding my college experiences. And I'm recording this episode from my dorm room, which is crazy, although I am going to be giving it up in like a week because we're just finishing up this last um, semester. But I just thought like recording this episode um, would be a good way to take a little bit of a study break also as studying for finals has been really stressful. So before we begin, I'd like to bring back an old segment I had on the podcast, which was Best and Worst of the Week, also known as Rose Bud Thorn. So I feel like this is a good way for me to talk a little bit about what's going on in my personal life while also um, sharing 
like what's going on um i feel like this segment is a good way for me to share what's going on in my personal life as well as sharing what's going on in my school life and hopefully like bring um some light to the fact that sometimes you have really good weeks and sometimes there's always like going to be things that stress you out or make it a bad week so my rose of the week was that i did well on a midterm for my biology class which i've been struggling with all semester so that made me really happy um Biology, I've noticed this year, isn't exactly my strong suit. It's a lot of memorization, um, which doesn't really come that easy to me. Um, I'm better with like classes that have equations or steps to find solutions like math and chem. So I've noticed that I've been struggling a bit with bio. So doing well in that midterm was really great for me. And um, hopefully I do okay on the final also. And then the semester will be over. My thorn or worst of the week is that I have so much studying to do with finals coming up. Um, the final season is next week for me, and that's so stressful. I am taking three finals, which I guess doesn't seem like a lot, but it's also just is a lot, I guess. Um, I have one on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. So, like, literally spread out throughout the week. Um, but I feel like once Tuesday's one will be is over, then I'll definitely feel a little bit more calm. But that's just something that's been really stressing me out. Um, but again, only one more week of this, and then I will be done with freshman year of college. So I guess I just need to stay strong. And then my bud, or my thing that I'm looking forward to, is that um, on Thursday this week, my um, I actually joined a Bollywood dance group, guys, even though I've never really experienced um, dancing before. Um, so I joined a Bollywood dance group at my school called Rangoli, and they're doing a formal, which is like, I think where we dress up and we um, take pictures, and I think we're going out to eat. I'm not exactly sure what the plan is. Um, I'll definitely update you, but I'm so excited. Guys, I made South Asian friends finally, which is so exciting also. Um, I feel like I've talked about that before, but have not really had too many South Asian friends growing up. So that's something definitely very cool about college that I finally found like people who are kind of similar to me in a sense. So um, now to get back into my normal scheme of things, um, we'll start the actual topic of what this podcast episode is. So something that I started on my Instagram page, and I think I brought this into into the podcast as well where I would talk about like a South Asian woman of the week so that's sort of what we're doing today where I'm going to be talking about an amazing South Asian woman and her contributions to the field of science or chemistry because I'm actually tying in this podcast to my general chemistry class at college um, sort of like a project for that also so I'm going to talk a little bit about a South Asian woman her research we're going to get a little sciencey today but I'm so excited to share about her her because um, just like researching um, her story and everything has been so cool and maybe I'll do a little bit more of this where I'll like tie in um, science and my podcast because those are two things that I love I'm like you know I'm a STEM major I'm currently on like the pre-dental track and I'm really passionate about science and I'm also passionate about like sharing my culture so maybe we'll do some more of this but today we're going to be um, talking about a South Asian woman who's a chemist who's currently um, actively researching in the chemistry field. Something my um, chemistry professors like to do is they like to highlight diversity in the field of chemistry especially as it is a male-dominated field so I thought about that like tying my podcast into, into the notion of diversity is um, 
really a cool idea as my podcast is all about empowering women, especially South Asian women. So it's a good way of like combining sort of two of my passions. So I'll be discussing the life stories and professional experience of a South Asian chemist, Yamuna Krishnan, who um, has studied um, things that are related to three of the modules in my Gen Chem 2 class. And um, she has researched things, invented things, and um, is trying to make the chemistry world ever better, as is the um, little motto of my university. So I'm going to take a quick pause, grab some water, and then we'll get into to talking about Dr. Yamuna Krishnan. All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, Dr. Krishnan's background information. So this is an audio podcast. Um, I've considered doing video podcasts, but right now I'm not um, able to do that. So um, because it's an audio podcast, I unfortunately can't um, show a picture of her. But if you Google Dr. Yamuna Krishnan, or maybe I'll put some links in the show notes, you can see a picture of her and her team and like the research that they've been up to. Um, so Dr. Krishnan was born on May 25th, 1974, um, in the Malupuram district of Kerala, India, which is a southern state of India. Her parents named her after the Yamuna River, which is a sacred river in Hinduism and is the second largest tribute to the Ganges River. Um, also, I'm going to try, do my best to pronounce things um, well, but unfortunately, there might be a little bit of um, a discrepancy. So she was interested in science as a kid and especially became interested in chemical science as she entered her middle school years and her secondary education of high school. And she earned her bachelor in chemistry um, degree from the University of Madras Women's Christian College in Chennai, India in 1993. She then earned her master of science from the Indian Institute of Science in 1997, which is a huge college in India. If you're not sure of it, it's definitely um, a selective program and something that is very, um, that shows that she was definitely accomplished a lot in science. And there she um, specialized in chemical sciences and earned her master's of science degree in that as a postdoctoral research fellow. But before that, she earned her PhD in organic chemistry in 2002 from the Indian Institute of Science as well in Bangalore, India. And um, as a research fellow, she um, was not only a research fellow, but she was an 1851 research fellow at the Department of Chemistry in 2004 at the in the United Kingdom at the University of Cambridge, which is also a very selective program. And it was very cool that she was a fellow there. After she completed her education, she began to work as a fellow at the National Center for Biological Sciences in Bangalore, India, at the Tata Institute of Fundamental Research. This is a public research institute under the Department of Atomic Energy of the Government of India. She earned the title of reader there, which in Commonwealth nations such as India, the UK, or Australia indicates someone who has distinguished experience in research. That's something that's very cool to me, and that shows that she was... Um, not only nationally recognized as someone who had, who had very scholarship experiences in science, but internationally she had that title as well, which is so cool and shows that she um, was definitely knew what she was doing and is definitely like a master of the chemical sciences. She worked at the um, <sighs> She worked as a reader at the Department of Atomic Energy from 2005 to 2013. So that's where she basically spent most of her years after her education. 
Then in 2014, Professor Krishnan got a job as a professor of chemistry at the University of Chicago in the USA, um, in Chicago, Illinois, which as you might know, is one of like the top 10 schools of um, America. So it's very cool that she was so like um, internationally accredited that she got a position not only um, just in America, but like at like one of the top universities. And I'm sure like, as you guys know, like with like, like the whole green card process and everything. Um, it's very cool. Like it shows that you must be very smart and intelligent to like get a job here. Um, and continue like and showing like, especially if you want your like university to, um, to help um, sponsor your visa and um, green card possibly. She's also received several work awards and honors for her work and research. Um, she earned the Innovative Young Biotechnologist Award from the Department of Biotechnology underneath the government of India in 2006. So that's a pretty national award. And she also got the Young Scientist Medal from the Indian National Science Academy in 2007. And she won the Shanti Swarup Bhatnagar Prize for Science and Technology, which is the highest science award that can be earned in India in the year 2013 in the chemical science category. So she not only um, studied at the top schools in India, but she literally won the um, highest prize you can win, which is amazing. So that's a little bit about her background. Um, she is currently still researching at the University of Chicago, and she is currently um, working with her team there of undergrads, um, postdocs, and graduate students. And she also has some research technicians on her team. And she is um, currently still doing work. And I'll explain a little bit about what that work is next. So as I mentioned, um, Dr. Krishnan um, and her team work out of the Krishnan Group's lab at the Department of Chemistry at the University of Chicago, and her team includes undergrads, research techs, grad students, and postdoctorate research fellows. She's interested in studying the structures, properties, and functions of biological components like DNA and genetic material and what makes up DNA, like the nucleic acids that make up DNA. So as you guys might know, the human body, for example, uses so many electrical currents to send messages um, to our brain from um, like everything that we touch. Our heart uses electrical currents, um, like our heartbeat is using sending out currents every time that our heart beats. Um, the neurons in our bodies, like the neurons um, that connect our like nervous system um, use um, electrical currents to send messages from like, for example, if we touch a hot thing, um, neurons are firing, um, neurons are firing basically in order to send that message to our brain to like tell us what to do. So electrical currents are constantly being used in our um, bodies. So this connects to chemistry because the, because like membranes in our bodies, like the membranes in between our cells, use electricity also in order to send messages and um, and like take in nutrients and take out nutrients as all, our cells need so many nutrients and oxygen and water. And so in order to pass, in order for these materials to pass through the membranes, these membranes have what's called a membrane potential. So Dr. Christian's lab um, created a DNA voltmeter to measure how much electricity is being um, 
generated or used by these cells and calculate the membrane potential of organelles to see how they allow materials to cross, which is amazing. The organelles use the cell electricity to allow nutrients to cross their membranes, and the function of our body is dependent on this. So it's very cool that they've used this technology, and I believe that Dr. Krishnan's team has even patented this technology, and it just shows how she's not only um, someone who's using research to better the world, but also in order to um, in order to like be an entrepreneur of sorts and create something that's um, create technology that'll help like improve the world by using a proton pump and DNA voltmeters, the team is able to figure out membrane potentials of various organelles and figure out the different electrochemical characteristics of different organelles, which further um, helps us understand how the organelles in our bodies function in our cells to do the things that they're supposed to do to keep our body functioning and further science and medicine as a whole. I found this information from an article that um, Dr. Christians and her team published back in 2020, um, which is pretty recent recent called DNA-based voltmeter for organelles. So now we are going to discuss how um, Dr. Krishnan's team is able to use some theories and foundations of quantum mechanics in order to um, better um, help us understand how nucleic acids work and DNA works. So in order for um, nucleic acids to interact with each other and um, bind to each other um, and form bonds, they need to um, they need to so they do um, what's called x-ray diffracting in order to see the images of the nucleic acids because these are very teeny tiny structures that um, are very hard to see like you can't see them with a the naked eye so in order to image them they have to use use different um, different techniques such as x-ray scattering so by using x-ray scattering they're able to um, get insight on how nucleic acids work, their structures, and figure out how such a small molecule is so important because um, nucleic acids are so prevalent in the structure of DNA, which is how, you know, we get all of our, um, our information. We get everything that we are, we're coded from DNA, which is made up of nucleic acids. That's very important. Um, so small angle x-ray scattering works by pointing an x-ray beam at a sample of the solution, then they measure the scattering, which produces a graph, similar to one produced by x-ray diffraction. Then they figure out this, how the scattering um, works by um, using the equation q equals 4 pi sine theta over lambda, and then they are able to determine the size and shape of the different um, proteins and nucleic acids, and then figure out the structures. Um, and then they've done much research on this, which is very cool. And because of the complexities of it, it's hard to do, but it's something that her team works to do to figure out how these biological components work. And it's something that she's very interested in because you knowing how the structure of nucleic acids work is crucial to understanding how our bodies work, how the world works, and how just like the biological sense of the world is, as it is one of the four macromolecules that helps make up everything. So by using the quantum theory techniques that Dr. Krishnan and her team use to figure out the structure of nucleic acids, they're able to figure out how the structures work in order to provide the properties that um, these, that these um, structures have.
So a little bit about nucleic acids to give a background is that they are an important macromolecule that play an essential role in all of our cells, um, cells of um, humans, cells of living things, cells of non-living things like viruses, and they um, involve the storage and expression of genomes and genomic information like DNA and then they help us um, code for our genes and they are necessary to make proteins, enzymes, all the things that help us give life, give metabolism, and just um, give us our day-to-day -day functions and are needed to um, needed to help function many of the things that make up our microbiome as well. So it's very important to see how this works. So by by being able to use the quantum theory principles, they're able to um, understand the structure and the bonding of how these work, which brings us into module two, which where we talked about how structures are able to, um, are very planned and they're, um, they're like the reason why things are structured in such a way um, and like the reason why they remain in the state that they are the proper properties that they need in order to um, help them function. So that's a little bit about how um, Dr. Krishnan's and her team's research has um, provided importance um, to the world of chemistry and how she's really interested in chemical sciences and how these chemicals all work together. And we'll get a little bit into how this all connects to Chem 132 and the topics we've learned. And um, all right, so now let's talk about how Dr. Krishnan's research includes concepts from modules one, two, and five of Chem 132. In module one, we learned about quantum mechanics and its applications in the world of chemistry and its real world applications um, in order to help us um, learn more about how structures work and just things in the real world. So Dr. Krishnan's work to discover the properties of biological components, such as um, the properties of nucleic acids using X-ray scattering techniques and other technologies associated with quantum theory, allow her to figure out how nucleic acids work and DNA works. I noticed that Professor Krishnan's work tied in with the topics of electron diffraction in Module 1, which was one of the observations that broke classical physics. Electron diffraction is very similar to the small angle x-ray scattering technique that the research team at the Krishnan lab uses to determine the behavior of nucleic acids. The electron diffraction experience was revolutionary because it determined that electrons not only behave as particles but as waves. Electrons were shot through the aperture of um, which is a hole at a nickel target, but instead of bouncing straight off the target, which is what the scientists were expecting, they bounced both above and below the target, showing that they had wave-like features. Small angle x-ray scattering is one of the techniques that Dr. Krishnan's lab used to determine the properties and structures of nucleic acids. And this also uses a version of the Bragg formula, which, which is derived as a result of the electron diffraction experiment, and where sine theta equals n wavelength lambda, lambda um, over 2D, where D refers to the spacing of atoms, N refers to the order of diffraction, and theta refers to the scattering angle. So that's how um, Dr. Krishnan's work related to what we learned about in Module 1 of Chem 132. In Module 2, we learned about molecular geometry and bonding and how the specific way atoms come together determines their properties and how they can interact with other atoms. The way a chemical bond structure is arranged, from bond angles to number of bonds to um, 
how they're structured together can give a compound certain properties or not. For example, compounds that are ionically bonded together, which exchange electrons in order to achieve an octet, will have high boiling points and melting points. And compounds that are covalently bonded together that share electrons to complete their octet will be poor electroconductors. This relates to Professor Christian's research because in the way that um, the way that nucle nucleotide subunits are lined together gives DNA strands that are chemical properties and like such as polarity, which is necessary for it being able to hydrogen bond together and be able to code for our genes. The nucleic acid structures are arranged in such a way that they are able to bond together, give DNA its double helix shape, and allow for properties such as solubility and the ability to denature and heat, which are needed for various procedures that can be done with DNA like such as DNA um, polymerization and PCR, which is ways that we can clone DNA and um, create like different, um, different vaccines with DNA, things like that. So that's how a little bit about how what Dr. Christian's work is um, relates to module two of Chem 132. In module five, we learned about electrochemistry and how chemical energy and electrical energy are related and can be used to power electronics, batteries, and provide us with fuel. Electrochemicals function on the basis of redox reactions where electrons are transferred between species. Oxidation or the loss of electrons occurs at the anode end of the electrochemical cell. And anodes are where um, the electrons are lost and oxidation occurs. Um, then there's also the cathode, which is where electrons are gained by species, and um, the reduction occurs at the cathode as well. Each electrode is immersed in a solution of electrolytes, um, so the anode one is released is um, is um, immersed in an analyte, and the cathode is immersed in a catholyte. And there's often a salt bridge that connects the two electrode solutions in order to enhance the transfer of electrons and ions and is usually necessary for this um, transfer to occur. This concept relates to the work of Dr. Krishnan's research because um, the DNA sensors that they have developed in order to conduct, um, in order to um, determine electrical conductivity of our cells and potential of our cell membranes to see how they allow materials to cross relies on these topics and relies on the features of um, electrochemistry. So this is a little bit about how module 5 connects to Dr. Krishnan's research lab. I really hope you enjoy this episode of Brown Girls Rising. To be honest, I had a lot of fun being able to connect the topics of science with um, South Asian culture and talk about another amazing South Asian woman and her impact on the world. And maybe this is something I'll do again um, to a different light, maybe talk about biologists, physicists, mathematicians, things like that. And it's awesome to also be able to talk about someone who's alive and currently researching as in my opinion. And like, I feel like this is often the case where like, I think of scientists as like old, you know, old dudes who are probably dead and you know have, like already contributed to science but no science is something that we're currently still studying um i truly appreciate you listening i'm so excited to create more episodes and i'm so excited i've get, gotten back into the podcast um thank you again for listening my name is saisha gupta and you can find us on instagram at brown girls rising pod and um yeah we'll see you next time on bgr thank you I'm Saisha Gupta, and thank you for listening to this episode of Brown Girls Rising. We'll see you next time.